Wonderful. Um, I'm just so excited. First of all, how many are you just excited to be a Christian? Amen. I'm always excited that God is, is willing to use ordinary people like us to be able to do extraordinary things. And the wonderful thing about God is it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are. God can raise you up and he do something wonderful in your life. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful. When I think about all that the Lord has brought me through over the years and bringing me to this place uh, where I am today, I am just elated. I am so excited. And so uh, we're going to be beginning a brand new series uh, talking about the power of one. Now, I'm not really sure how long this series is going to go, but I tell you what, uh, you're going to get blessed this morning. It is going to be a wonderful series, as I think it is extremely important uh, as Christians, that we understand that we can accomplish a whole lot when we're in unity. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's so many things. The sky is the limit. And we'll talk about that this morning. Uh, but the sky is the limit to those of us who decide to be one, to come into unity of what God wants to do. And, uh, and it's going to be a great time. And so I just pray that you sit back and relax and turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Psalm 133. Uh, we're going to dive right into it this morning. Psalm 133. We'll jump right in. Hallelujah. And when you get there, somebody can say amen or ouch or I thank you or something. Bless God. Anything you want to say uh, this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to have a little fun. Bless God. How many love the word? Amen. I love his word. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing and life forevermore. Father, I pray this morning, none of me, all of you, Father, take these lips of clay. Do what you will, Father God. I'm your servant this morning. Touch the hearts of your people, Father, and inspire them, Lord God. Inspire them, Lord God, to do great things and to rise up in faith and know that with you all things are possible. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think it's no secret today that we live in a very uh, self-serving society today. Uh, you know, we hear oftentimes when people say, you know, and, and unfortunately, this kind of attitude has even crept into the life of the church. But every now and then we hear, you ever heard somebody say, and I hope this hasn't been you, but I, and every time I hear it, it just makes me a little crazy. But I hear Christians, well-intended Christians sometimes will say, well, I don't need to, to listen to man. Uh, I got the Holy Spirit in me, and I don't need to listen to nobody. How many of you have ever heard that kind of phraseology? I'm my own person. I can I don't need uh, uh, somebody to tell me what to do. I can do what I want to do because the Holy Spirit is in me. And, and, you know, and it's amazing when I hear that, because when I hear that, that tells me that somebody is not reading the Bible in this context, because when you read the word of God, God always operated in such a way that there were a group of people that were unified around one common goal and around one common purpose. When Jesus think about it, when Jesus was on the earth. 
he gathered together 12 people. Now, when they first got hooked up, you, you know, they first got yoked up, many of you know, you read the scriptures that those guys had some issues. <laughs> you know, some of them would talk about stuff like, well, you know, I'm going to be the greatest when I, you know, go into the kingdom. And I was, no, no, I'm going to be better than you. I know, no, I want people. And they, and they would have these little struggles about who's going to serve who. And you should be serving me. And Jesus would just have to come in and say, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Who desires to be the greatest among you must first be the servant of everybody else. Jesus began to change the paradigm, by the way, in which we think about this whole concept of unity. He, and Jesus just came in and he just busted up this whole individualistic kind of way of thinking. And our culture today, you, you, I mean, we live in a culture in America where it's so easy for people to just kind of fall into this thing that I want to be my own. And if you make me mad, I'll just walk up and I'll just leave. When you understand the scriptures, Jesus said this, and Apostle Paul said this in the book of, of Corinthians. He talked, he said, look, the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. Yes. Right? And the eye can't say to the head, I have no need of you, the nose, the mouth, you know. How many know this all works together? And we're much more effective as a people when we what? Come together as one. When we're unified around a common goal and around a common purpose. And so this whole thing of unity, and I like how the scripture says it. Say God commanded the blessing. Do you hear that? God said where there is unity, where there are a people that are united together in love, united together in faith around a common goal, God says, God says when there's unity, I'm going to command the blessing. Is there no reason why we have all kinds of problems in our churches today? Is there no reason why that the enemy fights and every time you people get upset, people get mad over just about anything? You didn't speak to me today. Okay, and I'm mad about it. You know, people get upset and, you know, just, you know, just going to do my thing. Or people get mad and I always think, and usually this, the problems usually arise when God is about to do something great when the enemy kind of comes in and try to go put the brakes on. And somebody getting mad and bothered about something. But if you don't understand the principle of unity is the pathway to which we get blessed as a people where we're unified together. See, that's the whole point of this vision thing. You, you know, vision, you hear people use the terminology and I'm and I, I love leadership. I read a lot. I read leadership books and you hear people talk about things. Oh, you know, that vision thing. And some people, you know. Don't really they got little issues with the vision thing because, you know, God gave me a vision. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, vision is there to protect you. Vision, when, when, there's, when there's a vision that is in place, then what happens is people come together around a common goal, around their vision, and they begin to facilitate a move and promote unity, which is the what? Pathway to blessing. So when there's a vision, when people come together and they wrap their arms around a vision, now I, I say to you that, that I could probably go to each and every one of you right here and I would say to you, if you were pastor of a church, how would you do it? How would you do it? And I, get, I bet you every single time I would get a different answer. If I would say, okay, Michelle, I'm going to run, uh, you know, you get the chance to, to be head of Arms Outreach, Outstretch Ministries. That every one of you, if I ask you, you got a chance, to, how would you lead that? Everybody would say, okay, I would do this, I would do that. You know why? Because we're different. That's the way God waters. But that's why God put in place 
authority structures, which is there to protect us and protect the overall integrity of what God is trying to do. And so the vision thing is really to help us come alongside of one another and go toward a certain direction. And so a vision facilitates the pathway for unity. And God says, remember, where there's unity, he commands blessing. And everybody in here wants to be what? Blessed. Gang members understand this principle of unity. Did you know that? Probably a terrible example. But they understand this principle of unity, how powerful it is. Because they feel like if we can come together as one around a common goal, we can be much more effective than that's just kind of running off trying to do our, our own thing. And so what do they want to do? They want to recruit. They have these gang recruitments and all these different things. They got their own little organization because they're trying to utilize the principle of unity. And one of the things I learned about God is a principle is a principle. It works. Now, obviously, God is going to deal with those kind of things. Obviously, they backfire, but the, but the principle of unity is something that is universal, and it's, a, it's something that God has established within and for the local church, and it's how we should operate, how we should function. Unity is more powerful than numbers. Unity is more powerful than numbers. See, you can, see I've been in environments where there have been 100, 200, 300, 500 people and boy, they're at each other's throat. How many like being in places like that? My, my senior pastor, if he was here, he'd tell you today how he pastored a church of 5,000 people. Now, you think, boy, we got 5,000 people? Boy, that, that, that church is, boy, that's God, God is there. Because all the people are there. Then that must mean that God has got to be present there. And he had problems within the internal ranks of, of the uh, church, the, the leadership structure of the church. One thing led to another. And he ended up deciding to go in a different direction because there was so much infighting and their spirit began to permeate throughout the entire church. And for the better of the church, he walked away because he understood that it doesn't matter how many people you got, unity must be first. See, unity got to come first. So I'd rather be in an environment where there's 10, 15, 20 people and we love each other and we're supporting each other, we're committed to each other, we have the same goal, we have the same vision, we have the same purpose, and we're moving forward. I'd rather be around the people like that than be around two, three, four hundred thousand people that are mad Amen. That's right. and going at each other's throat. That's right. yeah. I mean, how many you know what I'm talking about? Exactly. Jesus, he only started with 12 people. And look where the gospel is today. Twelve some of you well, we're so small. How can we do? How can we? How can we go into this building? But that's a small. Jesus did it. What he did with twelve people, and they were broke. Y'all, did y'all hear me? <laughs> broke, poor men, fishermen. They just had everyday jobs like you and me. But they came together around a common goal common vision, a common purpose, and they were able to accomplish great things. That's why the local church is so important, because it's that place that provides you that, that, that encouragement and that structure, so then you can begin to build with other people who are of the same mind, of the same purpose, right. so that we can accomplish something great for God. Turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter number 17. This was uh, this is referred often to Jesus' high priestly prayer. 
I want you to listen to what Jesus is praying. Now, this is right before he goes to the cross. And remember, we're talking about unity. I want you all to stay with me. I'm getting there a little slow, but just stay with me. We're going somewhere with this. But look what Jesus says here, because I have to lay this foundation. He says in verse number 20 uh, through verse 23. He says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be what? One, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be what? One in us that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me. I have given them that they may be what one just as we are. What one now you would think that as Jesus is getting ready to leave, he would say he would say, Lord, give them a whole lot of money. Lord, give them a whole lot of resources. God, give them a whole lot of people. But that wasn't his main prayer. Jesus prayed this one thing. He says, Lord, that they would be one. Because Jesus knew that if they were going to take this ministry to the next level, that they needed to be unified. And so and so his prayer was not, Lord, give them more of this, give them more of that. He was like, Lord, make them one. Make them one. Because if they're one, they come together and they pull together around a common goal, a common purpose. They can accomplish some extraordinary things because they're unified. And the devil wants to keep you and me away from this place where God says, I command blessing when there's unity. The enemy wants to keep us away from unity. He don't want us to be unified. No, don't be unified. Don't be. I want you to fight each other. I want you to get mad. I want you to be just upset. And and that's why we got how many know we need to be sensitive to the enemy's tactics. We got to be sensitive of how the devil works and how he tries to conquer and divide us. Jesus had to deal with it himself, but he was well aware. He knew about Judas. Jesus was kind of hanging out there, kind of just kind of lagging behind, had his own little agenda. And Jesus knew about it. How many know Jesus knows? Isn't it good that he knows? And he got a plan for that, too. But the principle of unity is so strong. Look, at, look with me, if you will, in Genesis chapter number, uh, I believe Genesis chapter number 11. This is right after the flood. And I want, you, I want you to see that when God showed me this, I almost leaped up in my spirit. This was so strong. Now, we're talking about the importance of unity. We're talking about us going in the same direction, us being together, and what kind of uh, benefit that gives to all of us, all of God's children, when we're one, when we're together, when we're caring for each other and loving each other and supporting each other, that we think about each other. How many of you oftentimes think about helping somebody else? I mean, that's really, how many of you often say, you know what, I really think, I just, you know, I need to do whatever I can to help brother, sister, so-and-so. And, you know, I, you know what, I, I just need to just come out of my comfort zone and just sacrifice and help somebody else. You know, that should be a lifestyle for the believer. You know what I'm saying? It should be a lifestyle. Look, look at Genesis chapter number one. Look at this principle. Look, watch this. And we'll start in verse number one of chapter 11. Now, the whole earth had one language. Now, I want you to follow me here. And one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, watch this. Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And watch this. Here's what they say. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. 
Listen to this. A tower whose top is in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad, abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, now, this is right out the flood. So God's plan was that they multiply and cover the entire earth. Well, they had a better plan. How do you know men always have a better plan? We always have a better plan than God, right? You know, we, we, we don't really say it, but we really think that we know just a little bit more than God do. So they decide, no, Lord, we don't want to build horizontally. We, don't want, we decided we're going to build us a city way up to heaven. Now, that was way before the technology that we have today. I don't know what they were thinking, but my first thought would be, you got to be crazy. You ain't going to build. You guys are like, you know, you, you, don't, you don't have cars. You don't have cranes. How are you going to do? They didn't, think, they didn't even think that. Did you know that they just said, let us build? And their intention was to build a city and keep building and keep building. They wanted that thing to go all the way up to heaven. And, and, and you would think that, yeah, right, please. But look what God says. Watch this. Talk about unity. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. God had to come down. Now watch this. Oh, did y'all get this? I hope y'all get Lord, help them to see. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. They're in unity. And they have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Did you, did you hear that? God said this because they were so unified as one. God said, if, he, if I don't come down and stop them, nothing will be withheld from them. They would have figured out a way to do it. Why? Because they were unified. Now, if they were unified outside of the will of God, how much more can we accomplish if we're right in the will of the God and we're walking together in unity? How much more, if, if they were outside of God's purpose, God had to come to God said, no, I got to stop them. They, they, no, 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 because if I don't, all things, it's possible they can pull this thing off. I got to stop them. But if you and I are loving Jesus and we just want to make a difference in the kingdom, we just want to, we just want to change lives. We, we're, we're right. We're doing right. With the, we're doing what the scripture says. How much more if we come together in unity that we can accomplish what we can do as we come, this small church, that we come together and we decide to do something great for God. Amen. Unity. You see the principle, how, how the principle of unity works. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. I want you to see how powerful this concept of unity is. The early church. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, I often say, I, I've often, you know, there have been a couple of times I've even thought about changing our name to Acts. Acts church. It's just a little see. I'm not saying I won't do that. Some of y'all are like, oh, here go, here go, pass with another one of these crazy ideas. Because I, and the, the basis would have been on Acts chapter number two. This is the kind of church, if you want, I believe this is the recipe for a successful ministry. And God was moving. You know, this was right after Jesus had died, and, and this was already the you know, Pentecost had come, and they all got filled with the Holy Spirit, and People were getting saved and God was moving. But I want you to see what was really taking place and the attitude among the people and see what facilitated the move of God. Now watch this. It says in uh, Acts chapter number two, you'll start reading in verse 40. I'll read it and then we'll come back and we'll extrapolate a few things. 
verse number 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly receive his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Now, how many know that's a God thing? Lord, give, Lord, Lord, give me that kind of preacher's anointing. That 3,000 people give their life to Christ. Have you ever heard of an altar call like that? Glory to God. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Then it got scared, but not in a bad way. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and good and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, daily, those who were being saved. Now, the first thing that I want to spotlight is that they were consistent. The Bible said that they continued. One of the things that I learned over the years as a person that liked to exercise, now you may not can tell it now because I've Throwing on a couple pounds. Well, one of the things I learned many, many years ago that if I was going to have any success working out, I had to learn how to do it by myself. Because there were many times that people would start with me and they wouldn't finish with me. I'm going to, they'll start with like a couple of weeks, or two or three weeks. I'm going with you, Gary. I'm going to the gym with you. And all of a sudden, I don't see him no more. And one of the things that people often ask me was, and they don't ask me this that much anymore, but they used to ask me, how, what do you do to get that size? What do you do to get? And I said, brother, I just stayed consistent. I stayed at it. Now I want you to see the recipe for unity and success where they were consistent. They continued to serve God. In other words, this wasn't something that was based on circumstances and situation. They made a commitment that they were going to stay in this thing with God. Right. They weren't in the church and out of the church. They weren't trying to figure out if they, no, no, they were consistent. The Bible said they were, they were, they continued. What does continued mean? What did they continue then? They continued, the first thing they continued in is the apostles, the apostles' doctrine. They stayed in the word. They continued in that. One of the key ingredients to being unified is coming around the word. See, that's why when we come to church, we hear the word of the Lord, that don't ever just take my word from it. I, you know, the day I walk in this pulpit and I look out there and nobody have their Bibles, I'm scared. I'm scared. I want you to come in here and look, pick up your Bible and read with me. And we even got it on the screen. And, you know, we're not going to say anything. But this is an extra added thing so you can see it. So some people can't see like me, you know. And, uh, you know, so we put it up there as an added thing. But we need to be people that honor the word of God and that we know the scriptures for ourselves. Because, see, if we're divided in our doctrine, how many know that's going to pose a serious problem to unity? See, that's why we have in our church, for example, we have an orientation class. Why do we need to have an orientation? We don't have an orientation class because we just want to throw something else on your schedule that like, you don't have anything else to do, but because we want to promote unity so that you would know what we believe, what we stand for, what we're all about. Because if our doctrinal thing is not right, then it could, it could pose a problem to unity. So, so one of the things, this is the key ingredient to unity in the prosperous church, of, 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 of a church that is 
uh, full of vitality and life. They, they stayed in the Apostles' doctrines. They, they stayed in the Word of God. They read the Word. They heard the Word. And they lived the Word. Number two, they fellowshiped. That word fellowship in the Greek means koinonia. You see, that speaks of a unity, a partnership, a close association. You see, they were fellowship. You can't see, you're not really fellowshipping with me if you just see me on Sunday. See, they fellowship. If you look at that same verse in, uh, same, in verse 46 in that same chapter, it talks about how they went from house to house, breaking bread together. In other words, they were together all the time. See, real fellowship is when we get down to the nitty gritty. How you been doing, sister? Amen. What's been going on in your life? Can I pray for you? Right. You know what? Matter of fact, why don't we go out to dinner a little bit? Uh, let's, let's just sit down and have lunch together. You see, in other words, there was a close partnership. It was beyond the surface stuff. It was beyond surface Christianity. And one of the things that, you know, and this is just me. Nobody take it personal. But one of the things that I don't like to see is when the church, when the church ends and everybody hit the door. It's like, I don't want, I'm scared. Don't, nobody talk to me. Please. I'm like, what are you scared of? <laughs> now, I know sometimes people got to go. I'm not talking about that. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? But they continued in fellowship. In other words, they loved being with each other. They were, you know, I want a church where there's life and where there's a lot of people. I want a church where people are happy and excited. Then talk to somebody. Fellowship with them. Break, break. Get to, you know what? I don't know you. Can we go out to lunch together? Can we go out to dinner? I want to get to know you a little bit. Can I participate in what you, what are you doing? Let me go with you on Saturday. See what you do. I want to get to know you. I want to fellowship with you. I want to come together. You see, that's where real life comes. That's when we come to a place where unity begins to be built. Why? Because we are connected to each other. See, we have life. We're involved in each other's life. We talk to each other during the course of the week. We're praying for each other. See, they were breaking bread. They were going from house to house. This wasn't just, this wasn't just a, a, a thing that they did on Sunday. How I many know Sunday is just a time we all come together, we worship God? But there should be some interaction within the people in the church during the course of a week. That's right. Let me just pray for you. Well, I don't know them. Get to know them. That's right. That's right. You know, this lady, uh, that lady uh, that gave that offering, I don't know her. Do you know her? I don't know her. But she had a connection there. And she just said, you know what? I'm going to give. I'm going to sow into this. Get to know them. They fellowship. They had close association. They were beyond the surface stuff. You know, the Bible says in Galatians 6 2, bear one another's burdens. Now, nobody should come to church upset, hurt, brokenhearted, and nobody knows it. See, I can't bear your burden if you don't talk to me. I can't help you with your problem if you don't say, look, somebody help me and encourage my heart. That's right. See, that's what this church, see, we want every church supposed to be that way. But I want our church to be biblical. And I want it to be a place where people can come, where people are hurting. They can find relief. They can find somebody. You know what? Come pray for me. I want it to be a safe place where people are hurting. They're broken. They're struggling. Because, you know, people got this thing that we don't like to expose ourselves. We don't like to be naked, do we? We don't like to do it. But we want this to be a safe place where people come. You know, I got a problem. Can you pray for me? And we wanted to be a safe place where people that are hurting and, and people that are broken. This is what we're trying to do. This is, this is what we're all about. Helping broken people. The church is a big hospital for people that are sick. But we act like otherwise. We act like the church is for Mr. Mr. Perfect. It's not. It's for those who are broken. And then over time, God begins to raise them up and make them something that they never thought imaginable. Amen. 
See, fellowship. See, so, so, so here's the recipe for success in unity. They were in fellowship together. And then the, the uh, third thing is they broke bread together. They just love to eat. Now I know that some of y'all after church, you're going to say, look, you know what? After church, I'm going to ask somebody to go out to lunch with me today. I, what's your name? Okay, let's go to lunch. Hey, this pastor coming over today. You got some food for me? <laughs> see, what, what are we doing? We're, we're having a culture of unity. You see, a culture of unity where we're communicating, we're involved. You know, when you're involved in each other, when you're involved in each other's lives, when people walk in, they can sense it and feel it. These people know each other because you, you know what's going on with me. See, I know what's unique to Michelle because I talk to Michelle. I don't just talk to Michelle on Sunday. You, you follow what I'm saying? I know what's going on with Vincent because Vincent talked to me during the week. And, and so when we come together, it's like, hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, how did the thing you were dealing with the other day? How, how is that going? But we're just so content with just walking away. But they were breaking bread. They were up in each other's house on a regular basis. When's the last time you had somebody in your house that's a believer? Just invited somebody over, just come on over. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. They, and, and they continued in prayer. They prayed. How I many know we can't do anything without prayer? But see, these are, this, this is what they did. They prayed and they, and they saw God. And we talked about prayer. On, we had a wonderful, our prayer service this morning was beautiful. It was just like, it was, a, it was a peace in this place. And I'm telling you, it was like second to none. God's presence was here in, a, in, a, in an awesome way. I believe if somebody was sick, boy, the presence of God was, you know, there are times when you learn, you walk in the spirit. There are times when God moves and troubles the water. You remember the story of the, the man who was, a, who was by the pool and, and, and the angel would come and trouble the water ever so often. And whoever jumped in first got healed. I believe ever so often God begins to move. He begins to stare at things and, and we got to move with when he moves. Because that's how you get your healing and your breakthrough. So I believe that there are times you don't want to miss where God is. Secondly, they were, now we said the first thing, what was the first thing we said? Okay, that was, that was, that was a sub thing. That the first thing we said was they continued, right? Yes. Then we talked about what they continued in. That was four things. Now the second thing is that miracles happen along with signs and wonders. Now, you tell me, watch this. You can't tell me that as we begin and we prepare to move into this new location what God is doing in us, what God is doing in this church. When people start hearing about people getting healed of cancer and sickness, people getting delivered from drug addiction, sexual immorality, when people start getting wind of that, say, wait a minute, what's going on? You think you might be able to draw a couple people? You think some people might hear about, oh, I I heard, but you got what? Take me there. But see, it was all, watch this, it all happened when there was a atmosphere of unity where they were fellowship and they were loving each other. They were they were together. They were in the word. They were praying together. They were supporting one another. And then the Bible says signs and wonders happened. In fact, the signs and wonders were so deep. Some of them like, oh, my God, what's happening? You got healed or what? I want this to be a place where people come in. And I lay hands on you. But, you know, some of us sometimes, you know, and I've been here. Nobody here done this, but, you know, been up here and and people look like, oh, I got to go in here praying for somebody to get healed. <laughs> Selfish thing, you. you. You know what I'm saying. 
That we need to be a people that, 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 that fosters an, a community of, of, of miracles. I believe that miracles are not something that was just, some people believe the miracles stopped when, when Jesus, you know, when, when, when Jesus went to heaven and all the miracles. No, no, Jesus says, when I leave, greater work you will do. Amen. So if the greater works ain't happening, it's, we got to look at ourselves. What are we doing to hinder the move of God? Because there are people that want to be healed. There are people that are addicted to different things. There are people struggling in life. And we serve a Jesus that we say who has all power in his hand. And yet we can't believe God to touch somebody's life. We can't believe God for that. We can't believe God for that. I mean, we want this to be a place of miracles. Signs and wonders. But how was it happening? It was happening in an atmosphere where the people were together within one accord. They were in unity. See, all this goes back to what? Unity. And watch this. Some of y'all might get scared. Well, that's the next one. Number three, they had all things common. That means that if I come to your house, your refrigerator is my refrigerator. You come to my house, you can help yourself. Now, some of y'all look at me like, oh, you know, you're not. See, I'm just thinking what y'all, I'm just saying what y'all think. But when he said they had all things common, that's what it means. That, you know what? It's common property. What's mine is yours. What's yours is mine. Because you know what? We're going in the same direction. We're all in this thing together. See, we love each other together. So, so, so it's ours. Together. You see, one of the things we're doing with... Uh, Arms Outstretch Ministry will be a part of our, uh, of, our, of, our, of our outreach, which will be right beside the main facility. You know why? Because we're in this thing, what? Together. We're, we're dedicated to one another and to fulfill the great mission that God has given us as a people. Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? They had everything in common. You see, we're more stronger when we're together than when we're apart. You understand what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> I remember one time my pastor told me they would believe in God for $8 million. And I laughed. Like, <laughs> But when you look at $8 million and you say, okay, and you look at it among a whole vast number of people, somehow that $8 million seems to be like you can, seems to be achievable. Because I see a body of people that are committed. You remember the Tower of Babel? They were committed. God said they... they Whatever they, whatever they want to do, they're going to accomplish it because they're operating under this principle of unity. See, unity is for your benefit. You want a church that is unified. You want to come into an environment where there are people that are connected one together in the same purpose, same direction, same goal. Number four, they sold all and they, they divided them. Well, let's, let's read it. Look at uh, uh, verse number <laughs> 45. And they sold their possession goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Well, pastor, are you saying I'm supposed to go and, and, and sell all my stuff and my house? I ain't saying that. What God asking you to do? <laughs> but I want you to see the atmosphere here. I want you to catch this. They sold their possessions and everything and then they divided them. Now, they did not do that just, you know, sometimes we have, you know, people have yard sales. Right? I saw a lady, I was walking my dog the other day. She's selling everything. Everything must go. Everything must go. I said, well, give it away, sister. <laughs> if everything got to give it away. No, but she wanted to make a profit. You know why she wanted to make a profit? I don't know why I shouldn't say it. I don't know why she wanted to make a profit. But oftentimes, 
We think we get, we sell stuff. And we try to pad our pockets, create a little bit of space. But what if, but these people sold their possessions, their property, their home, they sold everything, and then they divided them what? Not for their own selves, but for the church, for the body. You see how committed they was to each other? And they said, so that if anybody had need, they were covered. Nobody that was a part of this church were walking around talking about, I don't have anything. No, I have everything because I, I got my family. There's yeah, something about family. That's right. Family. So they sold everything. Now, God may not be saying you need to go. I'm not saying standing here saying y'all need to go sell your house and, you know. Now, God may tell you that, but he ain't told me that. But I'm just saying. The attitude was, God, if you want me to do that, I'll do it. Y'all cold? Some Y'all look cold. <laughs> All right. All right. So, so y'all hear what I'm saying. And so they sold their possession because it wasn't that important to them. What was more important to them was making sure that the purposes of God was fulfilled because they knew that they were a part of that bigger plan. See, it's not. See, living real life is not about living for yourself. You know, if it's all about just coming to church and just, you know, and I, I think it is. Lord, if church is just about establishing a ministry, coming to worship and then going home and doing it, then, Lord, I don't need this. Uh, you, you know, how many of you got something else you could be doing? I want to be a part of a people that are excited, enthused and doing something great, changing lives, changing neighborhoods, changing cities, changing nations, doing incredible things. I want to leave my mark that when I'm gone, somebody will say, boy, we sure miss Gary. <laughs> I don't want them saying, well, who Gary who? <laughs> what did they do? And it's, and it's not that I want to be great for me. I want to be great for God. I mean, I just want my life to count. I just don't want to just live and just go through this thing. It's not about that. I want to make a difference for Jesus. He called us to be difference makers. Not just come to church and no, 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 let's, let's go do something for God. Let's stretch our faith. Let's go up to the, let's go reach the sky for Jesus. Let's do something exciting and wonderful. Let's think outside the box. Let's get this place filled up with the love of God. That when anybody come remotely close, they got to come in and see what God is doing. Because the love and the passion and the unity is so strong. The people say, I want to to be a part of that. that, Those people, something about being around them. They're real. They're honest. They love God. And it says, the fifth thing is, the Lord added to the church. Who added? The Lord. See, it kind of goes back to what we said in Psalm 133. For there the Lord commands blessing, whereas there's what? Unity. So because they were flowing together in this kind of anointing, the Bible says the Lord added to the church. And you know what? Here's a unique thing. He added to them daily. So they, my guess, I, 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 I surmise that they probably didn't meet at the church building every day as a group, even though some may have, whatever they met at. So when it says that the Lord added to the church daily, that means that people were just getting saved. The people were going places, sharing the love of God, and people were getting saved in the supermarket, in the parking lot. People were just getting saved. The Lord just kept adding to them because of this incredible environment whereby the people were just so excited and enthused about God. When you read Acts chapter 2, what you see there is a people that are on fire for God. 
You see a people that are enthused and that are excited and they're not, they're not comfortable with the status quo. They want to go deeper. They want to do more. And the Lord just added to the church. Some sow, some water, but God is the one that gives the increase. We talk all the time, and we want to be a church. I talked to my pastor the day. He said to me, he says, well, the church is going good. The church now, we're up to, we're up to 600 people. And he, says, uh, he said, but we need to get more people saved. And we, what he was saying was, I'm not, I'm not interested, you know, because you go into church. It's like, yeah, great. We got a great worship service, got good music, got all this great stuff. But that's not what church is all about. We got to reach. You know, we're responsible for people. Every chair in here should be filled. Because of you, 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 all of us that go out of here and share the love of God and bring them in. We should never come to a place where we sit by and we're comfortable. We're just coming to church and getting the word. Some of us got so much word, we're about to explode. We don't need no more word. We need to act on the word. I didn't offend nobody, did I? Yeah, I didn't mean it that way. Well, you know what I'm saying, you know. Comes, I mean, I love the word like anybody else, but there come a point in time, brother, don't just, I need to get up and start putting that thing into action. Let this thing, see, the Bible said that we are written epistles, Paul said. Read of men. You know, people are reading you when you say you're a Christian. That's why we do everything with integrity. That's why we do what we do in a way that honors Christ. So the Lord added to them. The Lord added to them because they walk together in love and in unity. And here's what I see there. See, I want this place to be a church where Jesus look at us and say, I want to hang out with these people. Because you know what? This is this is see this. This is this atmosphere is ripe. You know what I'm saying? Not a fake. You know, God, you know, God, God ain't into phonies. What was the one church in the book of Revelation that he said you have everything? Uh, uh, you know, there was a, it was one church. I can't think off the top of my head, but uh, there was one church that was prosperous and they, they thought they had everything. Jesus said, and Jesus said, yeah, you got everything. You seem like you're, you're all together, but, but you're naked. You got some issues because just because you look like you got it together. You know, God is not into phonies. You know, God is not into a phony at an attitude. God wants people. God comes into an atmosphere where people are broken. I've seen it happen. Every place that I've seen where there's been miracles and healing, I've seen tears accompany that. That's just what I've seen. Whenever I walked into an environment and I saw people getting healed or God doing things or restoring marriages, I see people crying. So much so that the ladies don't care about their makeup. I've seen men with snot. Pardon the, pardon the expression, coming down their nose and their little hair all because what? They're broken. And God, God loves the broken in heart that we come to a place where we just take down the walls and just begin to say, Lord, fix me, fix me, fix me. But see, it got to be a unit, uh, an atmosphere where we're unified, where we're committed, we're connected to each other. Lastly, turn to Ephesians chapter four and we're done. Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter 4. Hallelujah. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of your calling with which you were called. 
and with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring, everybody say endeavoring, endeavoring. to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know, endeavoring means that there's, it requires effort. Uh, how many know that unity is not easy? It's very difficult. Put it to you this way. I love my wife. Nobody I love more on the planet than that woman that's to my right. But, you know, we have to work at unity. <laughs> it doesn't just come by osmosis because we say we love the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can hallelujah. All you, you, I mean, you know, I found out. I've been married 20 years. Isn't that right, babe? It doesn't happen that way. You got to work at it. You know, it's hard when you bring people from all different backgrounds. Some of you got come from you come from all different walks of life, and we want to bring you together. And we want to say we're going to walk in unity together. Paul knew that you had to work it. That's why he said, "Endeavor to keep the unity." That means you got to work hard at it because sometimes we're going to get on each other's nerve. Pastor, that's getting on my nerve. I know Diamond might have been thinking that last night. I had to apologize to her this morning. I sent her like four emails. I messed up the PowerPoint. And I just kept sitting. I know she was saying, Pastor, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> she won't tell me that. But the point, the point of it is, is that we got to work at unit. Why do we think that we're supposed to walk in the environment and it's just going to all be just right? It don't matter if the church is 100. 5,000, 20, unity got to be worked at. We have to strive to be in unity one with another. So we got to learn how to work through our differences, not get offended so easily. But just, just you know what, you know what, I'm in this, we're going to work through this, and we're going to grow together because it's so easy to do the opposite, right? Everybody does the opposite. But if you, did, if you do that, guess what? Uh, there is no, for example, there is no perfect church. If you ever find one, you better not join it because you will mess it up. Because you're not perfect. There are no perfect. It doesn't matter where you go. I've seen problems in big ones. I've seen problems in small ones. Problems are everywhere. If you don't learn to deal with it in that environment, you're going to have to deal with it in some other environment. You've got to learn how to walk in unity together. Endeavor. That means we've got to be committed to this thing. If we're going to walk together in unity, why? Because God commanded blessing, and I don't want nobody messing up my blessing. So anybody that threatens unity, I always come up. Don't nobody, what's up? What's up? You need to get that straight, because now you mess with my blessing. I don't, how many of you want somebody messing with your blessing? No, no, no. You can't. You, you got a problem with who? Then go to whoever and straighten that out. Well, you know, sister. So you should. So the other day, uh, really? Did you talk to him about it? No, not yet. I thought, well, don't don't talk to me about it. I, you haven't done what the scripture says. Scripture says if you've got a problem with your brother or your sister, go to them. Don't come talking to me. That's, if you ever, don't ever come to me complaining about somebody. I'm telling you right now. Because the first thing I'm going to say to you, have you gone to them? And if you say no, I'm going to say, well, I got nothing else I need to say to you. Because you are in violation of the scripture and you're about to mess up my blessing by spreading discord. And I ain't letting you mess up my blessing by spreading. The Bible, the Bible said the Lord commanded blessing where there's unity. So, God, I want God to come. I want my blessing. I want this church to be an extraordinary church. I want this church is going to make a big difference, a huge impact. We haven't even scratched the surface yet about where we're going and what we're going to be doing. So I don't have time for people that's mad and upset and get offended and everything. Pastor, you didn't speak to him this morning. You mad? Go up. Y'all know I love every one of you, right? Amen. Your head bowed, your eyes are closed.